0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I am proud to be joined today by an exceptional guest. Uh, You are, sir? I am astronaut Jose Hernandez. How you doing, Jared? Uh, I am well today. You have lived a life that most of us can only dream of. Uh, You have traveled beyond the boundaries of the earth and literally touched the sky. How many human beings have ever had an opportunity to do that, Jose? Well,
1: it's about 500 people out of 7 billion have had the privilege of uh seeing our world from a uh a perspective that's pretty unique from the outside can can you describe that pers-
0: perspective briefly i i mean i guess it's hard to summarize if we if we haven't been there it's going to be hard to
1: relate but can you can you tell us what it's like to look down on this planet well just uh imagine yourself being inside a space shuttle which is you know you you look at you're inside of like a flight cabin and you're floating on a continuous basis and you're going around the world at seventeen thousand five hundred miles an hour uh, and then you circumnavigate the globe once every 90 minutes so uh once you look out the window you're over north america central america and then uh, you go off and do something you know 20 30 minutes later you're over china Wow. Or you're over India or over Europe. I mean, it's just, uh, it, words can't do it justice of what you feel when you're up there. What's that do to your philosophical perspective? Well, you know, it it, it, it makes you think about the fact that, uh, you know, you, you look down and you look at the world, it's so perfect, and then you look on the opposite side and you see the rest of the universe and you got to wonder with yourself and say, you know, this is just too perfect for it to have been a coincidence huh, wow. so it leaves you very humbled and you know i'm a spiritual religious man and you know i actually uh became more religious as a result because i said wow this is amazing can you expound on that a little bit well i mean it's, it's just what i uh, told you jared it's just that the fact that i think uh, you know a lot of people say hey science and religion can't coexist and i said no it can't because mm-hmm. uh you know science uh tells you how things work and i think religion tells you why things work. And, uh, and then certainly looking at both pers- per- perspectives of our world in one window and the rest of the universe on the other side. Uh, It's just too perfect for it to be a coincidence. Now, Jose,
0: you mentioned something that I was actually planning on asking you about. So I'm so excited about this. Your mission was on the
1: International Space Station. Uh, Yes, sir. It was uh, aboard Space Shuttle Discovery, STS-128 mission, August 28, 2009, 14-day mission to the International Space Station. I think we were like the second to last mission to complete construction of the International Space Station. Wow, so you were mentioning looking out the other side.
0: Yeah. Every time I see pictures from the space station that, that, uh, of the windows, they're from the
1: perspective looking toward Earth. Yes.
0: Are there windows on the other side looking to the well, other? Well,
1: you, you have what's called a cupola uh, 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 on top, where, which is pretty neat. You stick your head out, and it's about the height of your head, You st- and you've got a 360-degree panoramic view. Of, uh, of the whole universe. So yeah. Wow. So I've heard
0: astronauts often in interviews or read uh, from, from their books about the experience of looking at Earth and, and the profound effect that has. When you look out at the other end, when you look out into
1: infinity, what's that like? It's, uh, you know, it doesn't look that much different from here on Earth, uh, with the exception of the fact that, you know, the stars are not twinkling. You don't have the atmosphere to uh, create that twinkling effect. So they look like, LEDs. And if you, you get dark adapted enough and you look out in the dark sky enough, uh, you know, you start to see the different constellations and, uh, and it's real crystal clear and you convince yourself, you, you acquire that depth perception where you can actually say that star is a lot further than that one kind of thing. Wow. Do you, do you ever, uh, do you ever dream of outer space since you've come home? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, don't ask me if I dreamt in color, but I have dreamed about. Being back in space, sure. What's
0: is it strange? Like, do you feel the weightlessness again in your dream? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah. You feel everything. Uh, you kind of like relive the moments of uh, what you your 14 days that you spend up in space.
0: What's weightlessness like? How would you describe it to someone who's never experienced it? I mean, I, I'm I'm a hefty fellow. I, I would love to experience weightlessness. I think so that I feel a little lighter. But what, what's it like to be?
1: Well, it's actually uh, it's actually quite a interesting feeling because um, first of all. When you're weightless, your whole body is weightless. So inside your body, you have cavities. And so your organs are also floating around inside you. So it kind of gives you like a this wheezy wheezy feeling that you have to get used to. It's almost like uh, being a little motion sickness at the beginning. And then then when you put on shirts and and things of that nature, you don't appreciate how much uh, gravity actually... uh, helps on your clothes because when you have a shirt or something on it's actually doing this thing over your head kind of thing wow and so you're sort of trying to do this thing and it's uh, constantly trying to escape exactly exactly
0: that's, that's amazing and so an astronaut like you you go through intensive training you, you spend a lot of your life i assume working toward a, a truly lofty goal knowing that that's many right. are trying and few will succeed that's right then you're immensely prepared So I imagine most contingencies are explained before you arrive, but I do want to know what surprised you about space, despite all the preparation once you got there, life in space. Uh, Was there something you didn't anticipate that struck you when you arrived?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, as you mentioned, when you get selected, you get selected as astronaut candidate. And so you train for two years before you're even eligible for a flight assignment. Once you get assigned to a flight, it's another 18 to 24 months of training depending on the complexity of the mission. Wow. And I tell you the uh I think uh you know a r- real funny anecdote that I have in space that I didn't expect was uh well, you know, when you train for those 14-day mission for 18 months, you repeat a lot of the things over and over So that, and then they, uh, they'll break stuff on you so that you know how to react or how to fix things. Okay. Uh, but one of the things, one of the simple, 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 uh, things that we practice over and over was, uh, was replacing the air filters. You know, the air filters in the cabin air filters is Mm -hmm. a real simple thing. You've got a panel, you know, you got four screws and you got the filter and you replace the filter and you put it back in and Screw back the, the screws, and you're done with. Because breathing is nice. Breathing is nice, and and so you do that. Uh, you know, right after, right after liftoff, uh, you you replace it to put a fresh one, and then I think about every four or five days you put a, a fresh one. So they always have the rookies do that because it's such a mundane, and you know you can't screw that up. Right? Yeah. So so you have the rookies do that first, and uh, and the senior folks always uh, get a kick out of it because they they. Um, They laugh at how you do it because of (laughs) the fact that you don't think about it. You said, okay, I'm going to do it as I did in training, go Mm -hmm. get that screwdriver and get that new filter ready. And, uh, here we are going to change the filter. Well, remember you're floating, right? So, uh, the first thing you do is you go in there and you're going to unscrew a screw. And of course, you know when you're going to unscrew it, you turn it one way, mm-hmm. and uh, physics tells you for every action, there's an equal and opposite <laughs> reaction. So when you turn it one way, your body turns the other way. So you corkscrew exactly. Oh, exactly. your whole body's exactly. there, spitting in space. And then you sort of scratch your head here and say, "Huh? When I, when I worked out, when I did it down there, it worked pretty good. What's the What's the deal? Of course, you're in. You're floating in space." and then i remember i looked at 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 the floor and uh and you've got some uh some duct tape that's taped up there Mm -hmm. and i said what's this for and so you remove that and there's some foot loops so you put your feet in there and of course, they don't tell you that in ground training because right. you're standing up, you're stepping over the foot loops uh, during training all this time, ignoring them, not knowing how useful they're going to be once you're up in space. So, yeah,
0: and so everything changes despite all the preparation. A mundane task like unscrewing something becomes a challenge. It's exactly. Really cool. Also, sounds like a kind of a practical joke. Exactly. exactly. That's, yeah. that's really neat. You you talked earlier about the spiritual element of of looking down and and the role between science and faith and and perspective on life. Something I wanted to ask you about in regard to that, I've often wondered this, and and you're the first person I've ever had the opportunity to ask. Mm -hmm. Your life is very different than almost anyone else's. Um, 14 days of your life define, I think, the way a lot of people probably look at you after that time when they meet you. Yet, you are how old? I am 55. 55 years old, only two weeks of which were spent in this place. extraordinary place. Yes. And yet, largely, you're, you, you are defined by those who meet you by that. What is that like, that, that, the dichotomy of your entire life, that, that brief window in one place, and then this life on earth before and after? What is it like living in that that dichotomy of experience well well,
1: first of all you um you simplify it a little bit too much in saying well it's only 14 days in space okay i recall that uh many years before that i wanted to be an astronaut right so the dream was actually conceived when i was 10 years old wow watching the uh, very last Apollo mission, Apollo 17, Gene Cernan walking on the surface of the moon. You could picture a 10-year-old kid standing next to a black-and-white TV, you know, those old vacuum tube technology console TVs that take five minutes to turn on. Yeah. Holding on to a rabbit ear antennas to improve reception. If you can, if you can imagine looking, uh, a, a boy watching Gene Cernan walk on the moon, that was me. So I was 10 years old, and it wasn't until 42 that I got selected. So you're talking about 32 years of my life that I somewhat dedicated to wanting to become an astronaut. To the mission of 32 year year pursuit. uh, So I don't feel like it's those 14 days that are defining me. I feel it's a journey of 32 years uh, to get selected. And then another six years of training to actually realize the dream so it's actually about 48 years you know is the mission i mean 38 years uh huh
0: for you in your life is the mission still going on
1: when you came home absolutely yeah absolutely the mission's still going on because uh i looked at it you know i'll tell you uh when i wanted to be an astronaut and the things that i did i did it really for a selfish reason it's -hmm. because i wanted to do it i mean that's what i dreamed of becoming ever since i saw gene cernan but i tell you, once I got selected, I saw the impact I had on the community, especially mm. here in Stockton. And I said, wow, uh, now I'm a role model. Huh. And so I take that role very serious. And so I don't think my journey is done yet. And so that's what I try and do is keep inspiring kids. And through my story, I let them know that anything is possible in life, including reaching for the stars. And I'm living proof of that. Cool. You mentioned Stockton, California. Is this your home? Yes, it is. Okay. I was born and raised here in Stockton. Born, born and, and raised here and in Stockton. I have my office here now, as okay. you can see.
0: Yeah, the, your office is lovely. It's, Thank a, it's you. practically a museum. <laughs> uh, and and it's, been, it's been wonderful meeting Andrea here at the desk <laughs> yes. and, and, and some of the other folks yeah, she's you work my, with. Uh,
1: my trusted assistant here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> By the time I was 20 years old, I'm just an ordinary person. I didn't work hard for anything. I didn't pursue space. And I had touched three different pieces of the moon by the time I was 20. One in DC, one in Kennedy, one in Huntsville. And I was just like, when did it dawned on me that I live in an age where an ordinary Joe like me can touch different pieces of another world. That's correct. And people like you made that possible. You risked your life to do that. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Yeah. And the dangers are, are real. The dangers
1: uh, are real. But you know, uh, humans by nature are explorers. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, when uh, back in the old days, you know, he, that's why you had people like Christopher Columbus, Magellan, and those type of people exploring mm-hmm. new worlds. Now that we know everything about our world, well, not quite because we still got to uh, explore the, sur- the subsurface, but uh, you know, it's a natural tendency to say, hey, I see that big round thing that comes around you know, uh, our moon you know, that c- comes full cycle once a month. I said, wouldn't it be nice to go and check that out? And we've done it. <laughs> uh, now we see that red planet up there, and uh, you know that's next on our sights. When are we going to get there? Uh, I think realistically 25, 30 years from now.
0: Okay. I think that's that's the realistic estimate. Well, yeah. write that down, folks. We'll check yeah, in 25, exactly. 30 we'll years. We'll be back. See how that goes who are you thankful for jose who in in the course of your life and and what brought you here who are who are the people that you're grateful for
1: well i think there's quite a few people that i'm grateful for because uh you know i think that as you go along in life and you have these accomplishments uh you know there's a lot of people that help you along the way you can't pretend that you did it all by yourself Mm -hmm. uh and so everything starts Uh, with respect to, first of all, my parents, uh, you know, my parents pushed education, even though they only have a third grade education. My mom every day after school sat us down, uh, on, in the kitchen table. And, uh, while she made us, uh, something to eat snack, there we were doing our homework and we weren't allowed to get up until we were finished. And she was very adamant, only a third grade education. Um, What made her value that? I think she just wanted... Uh, a better life for us because we worked as migrant farm workers. Okay. So we worked out in the fields and on Saturday and Sundays we were out there working with our parents and while most of my friends loved summer vacation we hated it because we knew that met seven days a week out there working in the fields so, so your family all out there working together yes yes and here so, in stockton here in, in stockton area and right. so my parents so my mom always wanted this better life for us and she felt that it was through education and you know she would when we go to the bank she would point out at a bank manager has a suit and tie and and she says what do you see over there and i would say well i see a man I said no i see you I said, that's how i want to see you when we, mm-hmm. when you grow up she says i don't want you to uh to uh work like us we had just come down from work and we were hot and sweaty and 30 so i don't want you to be dressed like this when you're an adult so i want you to be dressed like that working in an air conditioning place like this which was a bank what was it like for your mother seeing the course that your life took oh she's very proud she's very she's nice and healthy and thank god we uh, still have her and she's very, 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 uh, very, very happy and proud, as you can imagine. Does
0: she introduce you to everyone? Is this is my son who's been out? The astronaut,
1: space? You know, the astronaut. Says, yeah, it's my son, the astronaut. <laughs> or ridiculous. you know, I go over and she calls everyone. Right, right. And people start coming, and then after that, it's my dad. Yeah, my dad also has a third grade education, and uh, you know, he was very, very instrumental in uh, in, be- in making me believe in myself. This hmm. is the power of empowerment when when you empower someone to believe. I remember I told you uh, the dream was conceived of me wanting to be an astronaut when I was 10 years old. Best thing I could have done that evening was to share that dream with my dad. He takes me to the kitchen table, same kitchen table my mom makes us do our homework every day, and uh, it makes me justify why I want to be an astronaut. Uh, and uh, He challenged you? I, yeah, he challenged me. said, well, why do you want to be an astronaut? Of course, having listened to Walter Cronkite narrate the moonwalk, uh, Gene Cernan, and having to listen to Gene Cernan, I kind of just regurgitated what uh, what, what Walter Cronkite had said that night. Yes, I, I told my dad, dad I, it's just I can't believe that we as humans can send someone quarter million miles away to the surface of the moon and bring them back safe and sound. I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And he must have saw the determination of a 10-year-old boy that the next thing that he said uh, really surprised me. Uh, he looked at me and he says, I think you can do it. <laughs> and again, the power of empowerment. He says, but if you want to do it, he said, you need to follow these five steps. I'm going to give you a recipe, son. You follow it to the letter, and I promise you, you'll reach your goal. I said, what are they, Dad? He said, first, he said, define your goal. What do you want to be when you grow up? Of course, I blurted out, astronaut. Figured um, one out of five of them was there, right? All right. <laughs> Second, he says, recognize how far you are from your goal. And we were living in the east side of Stockton back then, and they— Two-bedroom, dilapidated, rental, you know, bad side of East Side of Stockton. I looked around the kitchen table. I said, Dad, I said, we can't beef any further than this. <laughs> and instead of him bopping me one, he kind of laughed and said, I'm glad you recognize son, that son because the third step is you got to draw yourself a roadmap. From where you, you know where you're at, given by your smart remark you do, to where you want to go because that's, what, that's what's going to keep you focused and and, uh, and it's going to serve as a guide to get to your goal. Wow. I said, what's the forefront? He says, education. So you got to stay in school. You got to go to college. Without college, you're not going to reach your goal. And then he said, fifth and final, he pointed outside. He said, you know that effort you put out on weekends, seven days a week during the summer, working in the fields, picking cucumbers, tomatoes, uh, peaches, pears, cherries, uh, onions, and grapes? I said, yeah. He said, that same work ethic, he pointed to my books on the kitchen table. He said, you put it here in your studies. And when you graduate, you put it in your job. He said, always, always deliver more than what people expect out of you. Hmm. He says, you mix that up, son. He says, that's the recipe to succeed. Wow. And I said, wow. That's what I said. I said, I went to bed so happy that night because I said, wow, my parents believe I could be an astronaut, ergo, I'm gonna be one, and uh, never look back since. The only one thing I would add is a sixth ingredient, and that is uh, perseverance. Because um, NASA rejected me not once, not twice, not even three times. NASA rejected me 11 times. It wasn't. <laughs> wow. It wasn't until the 12th time that I got selected. So, so that's perseverance. So that's the sixth ingredient I add. But but that's that's the second person I would. I would, I would uh, thank, thank. The uh, third person is my second grade teacher, Miss Young. Miss Young. Miss Young. I, mean, I had a second grade teacher yeah. that was Miss Young. Yes. Yeah, Fillmore Elementary is where I, I had okay. her. I, I was in D.C. Okay. So. And Miss Young, um, you know, I mentioned that we were migrant farm workers. Yeah. At the time, we used to spend uh, two months in Southern California, two months in Central California, and about five months here in Northern California, and then we would go back home uh, to Mexico. To Mexico. Right, Central Mexico. And then the whole year would repeat itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Miss Young, one day when I told her that we were leaving and that I needed three months worth of homework because we would do homework over there in Mexico, not go to school, but self-school ourselves, uh, she finally uh, finally, uh, blew a gasket, I guess, and said, you know, you tell your parents I'm going to go home and uh, visit them. Because uh, oh. remember, I come from a family of four, and I'm the youngest of four. Mm-hmm. So she had my three other older siblings before. So I think the fourth time was the charm. Okay. And so I finally, uh, she, came, she came over and convinced my parents that we should stop living this nomadic lifestyle and stay in one place. And that's when we started to make Stockton our home. All right. So that's 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 the So she can and she convinced your parents that was right. best for your education. Exactly. For the kids and so oh, my, and, and to my parents credit, they listened and we stayed here in stopped. And they them. stayed. So were your parents immigrants then? Yes. Okay. Yes, so they yes. both came over from Mexico. Yes. yes. Uh, immigrants and they became permanent residents and then uh, wow. US citizens. And then uh, the third third and fourth person would be junior high and high school teachers, uh, Miss Bale, Miss Silva Bale, who okay. was uh, my Spanish teacher and my biology teacher. And then uh, Mr. David Ellis, who uh, who was basically uh, my math teacher in junior high and in high school. So and teachers, again those. and again, educa- yeah. mentors and teachers yes, are the yes. people you're thankful for. And Tell us about these folks. Well, these folks uh, were, were great. Uh, you know, I had the fortune of the, the fact that they... When I, we graduated from junior high, they also followed us to high school. Okay, and so we had them again. So I wow, had, you had the same teachers so twice. Yeah, so I had him for multiple years. Uh, Mr. Ellis was very instrumental in um, in 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 bringing calculus to high school and teaching us oh. calculus so so you know he pushed the limit and he had students that learned a lot and so uh, that were willing to learn so he was willing to teach more advanced material and 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 did so did you comprehend at that age the importance of
0: mathematics to your dream of being an astronaut
1: not really i just knew i had to take math and science okay. and, uh, and so so i i took that but i didn't realize the importance of it at, yeah. at that point but i'm sure glad i had good teachers like him and then miss Silvia Bayo, who uh who who first of all uh made me not forget my native language spanish she taught us spanish and then she taught us science in terms of biology and uh, also a great lady that that pushed us to the limit. What was her What was her greatest talent as a teacher? Would you say? I would say uh, being very strict and expecting mm. uh, almost the impossible of students. Oh wow! What's the uh, What's the value of expecting almost the impossible from someone? I think it helps you develop a good at work ethic. Okay, it helps you uh, helps you prepare for the challenges ahead of the rocky road that you're gonna be going through, or the trail you're gonna be.
0: Opening up. So you've talked a lot about mentors and teachers, and you're a father of. You said five, five kids, five
1: uh-huh. kids. Do you find the lessons that you learned from these people making their way into oh, your relationship with your absolutely. children? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'm so proud of my kids right now. They're, you know, I've got three in college right now. Wow. Uh, one of them is working on his PhD in aerospace engineering. <laughs> That's cool. Another one's in uh, in business uh, management. Another one is in mathematics. So uh, they're all doing very well. Wow, we're very a... proud of them. What, uh, what
0: what lesson do you feel like you learned the best? What which of these is, has affected you most as a father of all the things you've learned from these people? You were grateful for.
1: I think it's just developing a good work ethic. Yeah, I think so a... I think I think that's something that 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 uh, you know that translates across anything you decide to do. Mm-hmm. If you have a good work ethic, whatever it is you decide to do, okay. uh, you know everything from you know. Uh, being a, a a nuclear scientist mm-hmm. to uh, being a custodian, uh, you know, if you do a great job, you're gonna do very well. It's whatever you select. If you got a good work ethic, you're gonna do very well.
0: Anyone else you want to thank today?
1: Yeah, I think I the last one was a role model uh, that I looked up to was when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and of course I was barely getting ready to go to college. And this again, this is the power of role models. Was the fact that uh, I heard on the radio that a person got selected to NASA, and he had a name similar to to mine in terms of Hispanic surname. Ah, uh, his name was uh, Doctor Franklin Chang Diaz. Okay, you know Chang. You know I knew. I said okay, that's the, you know that's from the uh, from, from, from from Asia. But then uh, Diaz, I said okay, that's pretty Hispanic. Let me look into this guy, and I found out that in in studying his story I found out there were so many similarities between him and I because uh, he came from uh, Costa Rica and wow. he came as an immigrant and so he had brown skin like I did uh, when I heard him uh, speaking over the radio he had an accent like I did mm-hmm. and uh, and he came from very humble beginnings like I did how old were you when you when you first uh, heard I was him? In, uh, at 17 I was in high school okay. and um, and he got selected and, and I said wow if he got selected and he came from a similar background than I did that sort of just even super empowered me i said then it's possible i can do it cuz there's a guy that you know that's just like me mm-hmm. and did, so did you ever get the opportunity to meet dr diaz oh and, yeah and, and we're wow. good friends he was actually when they interview astronauts there's about 18 people and about you know, a third of them are astronauts. Okay. And, uh, and, and in the interview committee, he was sitting on the interview committee.
0: So to, when you go in for the interview, the man that you heard on the radio yeah. that, that helped you go, I can do this, yeah. is,
1: they, is there interviewing me. How did
0: you, I would, I would, I'd blow up. How did you do that? Oh, no, actually, it, wow. it
1: actually prevented me from being nervous because wow. I said, ah, I think I have at least one advocate here. That's really you cool. know, As opposed to not knowing anybody, I said, at least I could, I think there's one person that can identify with me. Hmm. And so I kind of sort of just, uh, uh, you know, basically uh, relaxed more during the interview and had a very great interview and got selected. That's fantastic. What's a, what's an interview like for being an astronaut? I'd love to, if you don't mind the tangent. Well, it's pretty much like the way you're doing it right now. You, They just want to know about you. Okay. They just want to see what makes you tick i mean at that point you're one of 100 finalists okay and there's over 18,000 people that are qualified yeah to be an astronaut and you're one of the 100 finalists so you're there's also, so there's no doubt at that point of your ability okay you've been filtered so much uh, that 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 uh that it's uh is it they know you're qualified the question they ask themselves is hey do i want to spend six months in a tin can with this guy <laughs> and so that's that that's what they're trying to get out are you going to be are you going to be a good person to work for are you going to be a difficult are you going to be a madonna or are you going okay. to be courteous well, those oh. are the type of things that they try to bring out of you that's really and I think through, through your storytelling through your experiences how you've handled adversity i think mean, that's how they decide whether they want to be with this guy. Or not. Have you always had this gift for storytelling? Because you're, you're
0: very natural, obviously. And, and I know you have a lot of practice. You've been a professional uh, speaker for many, many years
1: now. Uh, well, I'm not sure I'm a good storyteller, but I just, I just, uh, you know, I just speak from the hearts all the time. I mean, none of my talks, because I give, I've given hundreds of talks. None of them are the same, mm-hmm. because I don't have a script. I, it's just a matter of, you know, telling the story. The basic elements are there, but. I tell it in a different way every time because it's, you know, it comes out natural from you'd the heart. You'd make a good pastor. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I think I would, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd make a good minister. That's a good, a good, good sermon writer. I Can consider do that a compliment. Thing. Oh, it was meant to be. Yes. Um, so it, uh, I'm going to take uh, that kind of hard left turn we do sure. in the middle of the show now, if that's okay. all right. Uh, first, I want to thank our Patreon producers, Nick Rie and Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes this show possible. Hey, and, Nick and Robert, thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, really. And everyone uh, that supports us on Patreon, all of you who subscribe on YouTube and on iTunes and all the other places that you can visit Pockets Full of Soup. That uh, email address, if you want to say hi, is mail at pocketsful That's mail at pocketsful And you can also join the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group for free anytime you want. Uh, that's just a friendly bunch of folks. They like to talk on Facebook, but now we are headed into instant noodles. The lightning round of silly questions Oh, wow. Okay. Are, are you ready? Yeah. All right So first we, we always start with this one. What is best sandwich?
1: Best sandwich? Best I, sandwich. I think it's Italian meats. Italian meat sandwich. Like yes. what, what, what kind of what kind of layered
0: meats are we talking? Today?
1: Well, let's see. We, we we we're talking about salami Okay, pepperoni provolone and then a cheese and mayonnaise and lettuce and tomatoes and maybe some, uh, some spices. What kind of bread? Uh, I like white bread. Like it's what? not the healthiest, but, you know, if you're going to sin, you might as well go all the way. Go all the way. <laughs> don't, don't sin halfway. <laughs> exactly. What is best space food? Best space food uh, for me, it was the shrimp cocktail. They
0: have shrimp cocktail in space. They have
1: shrimp cocktail in space. Everything is dehydrated. Okay. And so what you do is you in. You have, we have in our little kitchenette, we have a little needle, and uh, and it has a little valve stem, kind of mm-hmm. like a bicycle stem, with the bag of the dried f- food that's in there. Okay. You know, it could be uh, chicken with rice. It could be mashed potatoes. Uh, it could be peas. And, and uh, in the case that I'm talking about, it's 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 basically just a uh, dried up shrimp with some sauce powder. Okay. You inject it in there. You put your four ounces hot water. You push the button, and water gets dispensed into the little bag, and you let it sit there for five minutes, nice and warm. We got a little oven, convection oven. we we'll put it in there to get even more warm. Okay. And then once you get it out, you get a piece, you get a scissors, and you open up a little corner. And you just start carefully eating it and uh, I tell you it's the best stuff in space
0: That's cool uh, you mentioned carefully eating it did dinner ever get away
1: Oh yeah 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 uh, it what, gets away what Especially happens if you're when eating dinner rice gets, How do you get dinner after it gets away? Well when it gets away you sort of just hit it back <laughs> and you try to hit it back into a ball. And then, and then you do this thing. Now, there's the legendary story from one of the I believe, the Apollo missions
0: about the sandwiches being smuggled on board. Is there any truth to that?
1: I don't know. I have okay. no... I, on the Apollo ones, I don't know. Yeah. But okay. I'm sure, you know, we've uh, smuggled some contraband. Did you ever sneak... It? What'd you sneak on board? Uh, I have no comment on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't get me on tape with that. I,
0: I understand. I, I wasn't
1: trying to get you yeah. in trouble. Um, what's worst space food? The worst space food... You know, what happens is um, it, your taste buds sort of develop a different f- liking when you're up in space. Because okay. I remember, I remember uh, you take a food tasting class. Oh. And you actually taste about over 100 different foods. And you're grading them from one to five. You know, five being you really like this stuff. One, you don't care for it. And you're grading it. And then the nutritionists then make up your diet right with that with based on what you graded of course they want you to have a balanced diet Mm -hmm. so so then uh so then for all 14 days of the uh, trip actually they do it for about 18 days um they have they have your menu of your three meals, what you're going to eat, and all that. So it's and, a personally customized. Yes, menu. yes, yes, wow. and yeah, yeah. The foods are there, and then each each astronaut has a little color. Uh, MS two is green, mm-hmm. so everything with a green dot was mine. You know, everything with a red dot was the commander's. You don't touch the commander's food. <laughs> you know, stuff like that, right? And so, and so, uh, so, um, so when you start eating, you say, okay, well, this is for breakfast, for lunch, this for dinner. And then sometimes you get something that comes out, and you say, "Man, I could have swore I gave this a one. Well, why did they put it in here?" There it is anyway. Yeah, Do you think that it
0: it's a, a secret psychological test? Maybe.
1: No, <laughs> I think I think I I think just I think the things I gave five probably were probably high in fat, high okay. in sugar. Oh, that's it. Oh, so that. you've <laughs> just got to have what's, you so have what's nutritious. You've got to have what's Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so uh, you know, I don't remember something that really, really didn't that really tasted terrible i wouldn't eat it Mm -hmm. but but i do remember things tasted different on the ground than when i went and tasted it and ate it up in space i said man i I can remember this tasting a lot better you mentioned explorers
0: earlier um uh, and who is your favorite explorer
1: who is my favorite explorer i'm not sure i have a uh, a a favorite one but you know magellan sort of uh Seems to be one because uh, you know he was he was down, you know, in in the bottoms of the uh, of the earth there exploring, and and I think I think he's one of the the ones that I said you know he really took a lot of chances and and, and when he decided to go out f- and explore. Yeah, the
0: circumnavigation is yeah. one of the one of the most stunning feats in human history exactly. to, to do that exactly. when no one else ever has. Well, let me ask you then, ba- based on Magellan, uh, and we talked about Mars earlier, sure. but. In your mind, looking looking into you know you are one of the few human beings that has lived Star Trek. Uh, you you yes. are the you are the first generation of Starfleet. Um, looking into the far future, uh, if you could cultivate one dream long term for humanity uh, in discovery and exploration, what would you like to see happen? What would you inspire people toward long-term, maybe not thinking in terms of 20 years or 50 years or even a hundred, but in a thousand, mm-hmm. what do you
1: think is possible? What would you like to see us try? Well, I think I, I, would, I would like to see us try two things. Okay. Uh, the first thing is um, I would like for more work to be done towards um, research to prevent a, uh, say, a strike of an asteroid mm-hmm. into our planet. Because I think something like that is probably inevitable. It's mm-hmm. going to happen sooner or later. It may not happen in our lifetime, but it will happen. So I think developing technology to counteract that uh, is, is something, is a prudent thing to do. So the surveillance to be able to get the uh, information as early as possible, that one is on its way mm-hmm. and it is going to impact. And then the technology to be able to uh, either divert it or break it up into pieces or just divert its path. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're way out there and you take something that's massive out there and you put it next to it, it, you're going to create some type of attraction that's probably enough to sort of change its path ever so slight. The more farther out you are the less of an angle you have to change to change, to change its destruction path.
0: So the earlier detection, the, the, the easier it is to defer. So so that's what, that's
1: one thing. Okay. And then the next thing is that, you know, we need to keep exploring. We need to keep pushing the limits of exploration. And so I would love to see uh, a, a moon base be established where we have long duration. We learn how to live outside our planet. As a test bed for technologies, we can test, mm. so that one day we can then, you know, twenty years from now we can launch into Mars, and uh, and and also have a long base there. I uh, wouldn't say colonize because the conditions aren't right yet, but who knows? Maybe that's going to help us develop the technology to go outside our solar system, and do find a planet that does have the atmosphere. That's very similar to us. Cool. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite word? My favorite word, education. <laughs> education.
0: Absolutely. After listening to, to your interview, I think that the, the reason for, behind that one's pretty self-evident. Yes. Uh, that's a,
1: you can go far with education.
0: What would you say? Uh, I, I'm sure you're asked this a lot, but I, I'd love to hear you say it here. What would you say to somebody that has uh, has the dream you had as somebody that's watching this right now just as you watched Apollo 17 uh, what do you want to say to that person if they're sitting there going I want to do that someday
1: I would say uh, you should go for it I would say shoot for the stars uh, you yeah, because even if you don't make it you may end up on the moon you know uh, I I'm one of the ones that would say, that anything is possible if you're willing to, you know, get an education, work hard for it, and, uh, and never give up on yourselves. Uh, a lot of people always told me, don't you get frustrated uh, or didn't you get frustrated when you were rejected so many times? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's think about it. I said, ever since I was 10, I wanted to be an astronaut. What did that force me to do? Okay, it forced me to go to college. It forced me to get a graduate degree. It forced me to get a good job at Lawrence Livermore National Lab. Uh, It forced me to work in the uh, nuclear nonproliferation arena. It forced me to help be the co-inventor of the first fulfilled digital mammography system for early breast cancer detection. Forced me to be a pilot. Forced me to learn Russian. I said, you know, if I don't get selected, oh, that's not a bad consolation prize. Hmm. So that's why I'm saying that. That's why I literally say shoot for the stars because if you end up on the moon, that's okay. Is, is
0: that a Jose Hernandez original? Because I love yes. that. That's fantastic. Yes. I, I would like to steal that as a motto sure. if you don't mind. No problem. Full. Thank you. You mentioned you worked in non, uh, nuclear nonproliferation. Yes. Um, let me ask you a question about, about the world we live in at the moment. Yeah.
1: Um, Scary times. Yeah, it, it is.
0: It, it, that is the that is the perception that I have, and I think a lot of people have right now. You're an expert on this. You've done mm-hmm. this professionally. What are your thoughts about the current climate of nuclear tension and nuclear pro- proliferation?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think anytime you deal in that subject matter, you gotta tread very lightly. And uh, the one thing that disappoints me is that uh, our leaders, on both sides, mm-hmm. you know. Tend to throw insults at each other, and uh, and and tend and tend to sort of take the bully puppet very lightly, and and sort of uh, you know their ego and their chest thumping, and you know in one of those things, you know you could have some repercussions because some one of those uh, may not blink, and will go ahead and push that button, mm-hmm. and that's scary, and so. It's very scary times right now because of that. I don't take that lightly, and I'm very disappointed that our leader uh, uses the rhetoric and, and chooses to go down to the level of, uh, of, of uh, North Korea And when what we should be doing is trying to promote diplomacy and try to promote a diplomatic uh, solution. Do you think brinksmanship can be walked back? I think so, absolutely. Yeah. You can always walk it back. The thing is, are you willing to walk it back? And, you know, sometimes we just got to swallow our pride and do it.
0: A last uh, question for you that's going to seem silly after all the others, but we always finish with this question. Sure. It's a very important one. Cake or pie?
1: I would say pie because then you can have ice cream.
0: Well chosen, sir. Well chosen (laughs) indeed. Mr. Hernandez, uh, it's been
1: an honor and a privilege and a true delight. Uh, thank you very much, Jared. It's been a pleasure. You're a great interviewer. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for, uh, for this time. Time went by real quickly. Well, thank you for it. And, uh, folks, once again, mail at pocketsfullsoup.com.
0: Uh, and if folks want to find out more about what you're doing, absolutely. Uh, where can they find out? Where well, can they learn well, more? They about can you?
1: find out through our foundation. Uh, we have a foundation uh, called Jose Hernandez Reaching for the Stars. And uh, you can look at us at www.astrojh.org. Okay. And uh, and there you can see all the type of activities that we do to promote STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. Our goal is to uh, to wake up the scientific curiosity of our kids here in the uh, San Joaquin. Uh, a valley so that they too can consider careers in science and engineering.
0: You, you just made my wife, who's sitting off camera, very happy. She just finished her instructional technology degree to work instead. Great. So All that's right. So really cool. Good. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Hernandez. Yeah, please check out, again, that URL one more time. AstroJH.org All right. Well, thank you. And uh, until next time, friends, I thank you for watching and listening. And uh, hey, uh, reach for the stars. And even if you end up in the moon, that's still pretty cool.
1: Exactly.